With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavy metal. The way it was meant to be.
All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. We started things off there tonight with a Brooklyn band, Americade. I used to enjoy those guys back in the day, at least their first album anyway, but for some reason they were hated by everybody. I don't know why. I never understood it. Uh, but they just weren't very popular. And uh, they put out two records back in the 80s, and they disappeared after that. You never heard from them again. Uh, I, I, the, 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 there were two brothers in the band. I think it was Gerald Margini on guitar and his brother PJ, uh, who was the singer. I also had Walt Woodward on drums and Greg Smith on bass. Uh, Dave Spitz, who went on to play with... Uh, I'm uh, sorry, Black Sabbath later on was in the band. Uh, Red Forest, I believe, was in the band for a little while, too. There were quite a few people that came in and out of the group. Uh, I'm not sure of everybody, but they were a decent band. They just, like I said, they're just, uh, there's something about them that people just didn't care for. And uh, that comes off their first record from 1982 called American Metal. And they followed that up about 13 years later with Americade.com. Uh, kind of got back together for that and broke up again. And from what I hear, PJ DiMargini or Margini. Uh, is a science fiction writer these days. Uh, he's writing books, so uh, be interested to try to find one of those guys and maybe get them on the show. But tonight, who is on the show? Jeff Duncan from DC4, Odin, and Armor Saint. Jeff will be calling in in about an hour, so I'll stick around till then. We're just going to keep the music going. Let me see what I can do for you right now. How about some uh, Hyrax, Swords of Steel? <laughs>
was Snow White out of Chicago, Illinois. It's off the album All Hail to Thee. I'm going to turn up the pain over there. That band features uh, Greg Fulton on guitar. Back in the day, he went under the name Ian Tafola. Uh, Greg is in a band called Anti Mega Machine with Jimmy Hazel, Rick Scatori, who went 24 7 Spies, uh, Spacey T, who was in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Ah, this cold weather is getting to me. I do apologize over there. Uh, where was it? Uh, Fish the Boners in the band, uh, Spacey T. A lot of great guys in that group. I had them on about two years ago. It was like one big party talking to them. But if anybody ever gets in touch with the people from Metal Archives, let them know that they have a picture up of of his other band, uh, Cyclone Temple, instead of uh, Snow White. The band also featured Nicole Lee on vocals and uh, Debbie Gunn from Sentinel Beast. She also did a little stint with them, I think, in the late 80s uh, for a little while. Didn't record anything with them. Uh, just toured and played live with the guys. They were a great band, and uh, I'd like to see them do something together today. And, uh, it'd be really great to see that. Uh, please forgive me. I have such a sore throat, and I'm, uh, I'm trying to take some cough drops as I'm talking over here, and it's not working out too well. That's why I think we're going to keep the music going until our guest calls in at about 7 o'clock. And we'll have Jeff Duncan on from my DC4 and Armist Saints. I'm looking forward to talking to Jeff. Uh, we tried a few months ago to make that happen, but they were actually taking off for the Armist Saints shows over in Europe at the time, so uh, it was just wasn't going to work out. All right, well, I suck on this cough drop a little bit. You suck on this. Some Jack Panza. Metal melts the ice.
send that out to Mr. Ken Pierce because it's a, a band out of Finland, and we know Ken loves the finish. And this Oz that comes off the new record, Burning Leather. It's been out for about a month or two, uh, but it's being released here in America, I believe, this week. Uh, and it has a lot of old songs that were re-recorded and a couple of new ones on there. And that's a song called Dominator. And i got to tell you, the band sounds better today than it did back in the 80s. It's amazing. Uh, that was 8D Martini on vocals, and you still got Mark Ruffneck playing drums, and J.C. Blade is on bass. Really good band. I enjoyed them back then. They were kind of goofy in the 80s, but uh, they sound great right now. So I would definitely recommend uh, picking up Burning Leather for anybody out there who's into that kind of music. All right, let me see where we're at right now. Maybe we'll do our uh, demolition segment next, and we'll get that out of the way. So when I guest calls in, I won't forget to play the song and uh, offer up a demo tape for you guys tonight. Uh, last week we were talking about an anvil. We wondered how come they never announced that uh, our buddy Sal Italiano, who was in the cities, uh, joined the band that Glenn Five was out, but uh, Brave Words and Blabbermouth and the rest of them had something up there the other day about that. I like the way they put down, you know, Sal was from uh, an Iron Maiden cover band. They don't mention that he was in Cities, uh, which was a great, you know, New York metal band back in the 80s. And he also plays at the Nightmare stage on top of that these days. And I've seen Sal's Iron Maiden band, and they are fantastic. I mean, they do a, a spot-on uh, rendition of Iron Maiden. So uh, I'm glad that he's with them. But they mentioned that he's just a touring bassist. I, but I think he's in the band right now permanently. And I hope it all works out for them. And uh, if you go over to uh, Brave Words and Blade Knuckles, the website right now, they have an interview that they conducted with Glenn Five. And I got through most of it. I wasn't able to read the whole thing because I had to sit down to do the show tonight. Uh, but what I read so far was pretty good. So I would definitely head over there and check it out. And he talks about being in the band and what happened. That, uh, he just wasn't able to, you know, write music and be creative. That's why he left the band. Uh, but he was with them for like 15 or 16 years. And, you know, it's funny that he left now, I guess, after the band finally got a little popular again and the name recognition was out there. I guess he figured this was his opportunity while, you know, strike while the iron is hot and write some music. And I guess him not really being able to write in the band with, you know, Lips and Rob being the main guys in that group all these years. So I could kind of see that, too. And he said that, you know, things really just weren't going good with the band, that they were playing in front of very small crowds. And, you know, we talk about this on the show all the time, too. They kind of played the movie thing to death. Like, they played out behind it and showing the movie when they were playing live just a little too often. And I think it kind of killed the band. You know, that big high they got after the movie came out, you know, eventually it was going to fade away because most of the people that were going to see them weren't even, like, metalheads or real fans of the band anyway. They were just fans of the movie, so to them, it was like, let's go see these movie stars play up on stage. It wasn't, you know, a bunch of old metalheads saying, let's go see Anvil or some new fans. And, you know, I think that's what's kind of happening now. But uh, he also says in the interview that they're in the process now of filming another movie, uh, a sequel to that one. So I guess the hope and lightning strikes twice, but I think it's going to do more harm than good for the band, if you ask me. That's just my uh, my personal opinion. So we'll see what happens. I hope that I'm wrong because I'm looking forward to hearing Sal with the band. And, you know, I wish him the best with this. So we'll see what happens. All right, like I said, it's time for our demolition segment right now. This is a band called Damage. Uh, they spell it D-A-M-M-A-J, and uh, they're out of San Francisco, California. The band actually, I figure since tonight we have uh, Jeff Duncan from DC4 on, and he plays in DC4 with his two other brothers besides Ron Robertson, and there's three brothers in the band. I would feature Damage, which was an early 80s band who had three brothers in the band that came out of San Francisco. Uh, even though they were from London, I guess they relocated to San Francisco. There's really not much about these guys anywhere. But uh, the demo is up right now on the block spot. Go download yourself a copy of it. Here's a song called Metal Rules. <laughs> We'll be right back. 
All right, there you go. Some Satan, Key to Oblivion, that comes off the band's EP from 1987 into the future. It was just about this time a year ago I had Brian Ross from Satan and Blitzkrieg on the show. Even though uh, Brian doesn't sing on this song, uh, this is Michael Jackson and not the Michael Jackson, <laughs> the pop superstar. Michael Jackson left this band to later form the band Pariah. He sang with them for a little while there. And uh, Satan is still together today, uh, Brian says. They just matter of fact, at a festival not long ago. They don't, they're, not, they're not out there recording or touring like they used to, but they do together here and there when they want to do shows. So that's a good thing, too. And I would love to see those guys. I guess the only way it's going to happen is if I get over to uh, Europe for one of those festivals. That's about the only way I'm going to catch these guys live. But Caught in the Act, which came out in 1983 with uh, Brian Ross on vocals, one of my all-time favorite records. Uh, Brian replaced uh, Lou Taylor, who sang a lot of the demo tapes before that. As a matter of fact, after Brian <laughs> and the band kind of parted ways after Caught in the Act, uh, they went on to form Blind Fury with Lou singing with them again. So it's kind of a mixed bag of nuts over there with all those guys. All right, let me see here. We got uh, 20 minutes until uh, Jeff calls in. He was the only guest we had tonight, so I kind of had him calling in the middle of the show. I guess we could play some music beforehand, and uh, we'll finish out the show with uh, with Jeff a little later. In about 10 or 15 minutes, Mr. Ken Pierce from PierceandMetal.com is going to call in with our weekly concert calendar update for the New York City area. But we're going to keep the music going right now. Let me see what I can do for you right now. How about some Anvil Chorus? Uh, big fan of these guys are working on a brand new record, a follow-up to the last one, and this song called The Blade.
That's Florida Law that comes off the band's demo. It's also the title track, Taste the Blood. But you know why? We're going to have Jeff calling in about 15 minutes or so. But before then, it's time for our calendar update with Mr. Ken Pierce from PierceandMetal.com. That's a name sometimes I shudder to mention, just the fear he strikes among mortal men themselves. Ken, how are you, buddy? What's going on there, Mikey? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You said you were slightly ill uh, before in the program. Yeah, spare sore throat today. Because you were shoveling snow in a tank top and short pants. Yeah, I guess pretty much. And I, so, I don't like wearing pants, you know. I got so that Florida mentality. Are you trying to be the heavy metal version of the situation? That's all I, I, I Well, it's, a, it's more like a 42-pack than a 6-pack, but I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to come close. 
We, got, we, we really don't need a metalhead version of one of those idiots, so I'm just making sure that uh, I didn't have to send any medication over your way. No, but, no, uh, no, no. I'm more like the guy that does, you know, the belly bombs in the pool than the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you, everyone, and greetings from Piercing Metal Land. We have a very exciting week, and, uh, you know, we missed we missed a lot of fun last week, and I, I, I know the listeners were, were hoping to hear uh, something from the NAM convention and also... The uh, um, what else was going on last week? There was a lot of cool stuff going on, but everything was in California. You know, Nightwish played out in California. They did a secret gig, and it's like you know, do all this stuff in New York City. This is the epicenter, don't you agree? I agree 100. percent Yeah, I'm I'm still waiting to find that uh, that big bag of money to uh, to start to do stuff with. But uh, if you're over here in the city, you. Uh, you might want to know about some of the things that are going on. And actually, tomorrow begins what they call the 70,000 Tons of Metal Cruise. Uh, have you heard about this thing? I've heard about it. Sounds interesting. Forty bands across a span of, I guess, the whole week. So uh, um, tomorrow till the 27th, you, you, you ship out from, uh, from Florida, and you go on a cruise with uh, about 1,000 other metalheads and 40 bands. That seems like a whole hell of a lot of fun, but it's a pricey package to do something like that. So uh, that begins tomorrow, and I, I envy anybody who's heading out of the uh, this eastern coast cold that we have. If you're in the west coast and you're coming all the way back over here for that, well, I don't really feel all that bad for you because you're coming from warm to warm. But uh, it's cold up here in New York City, so I, I have um, – I have nothing but disdain for you if you're going on a nice tropical cruise with metal bands. Tuesday evening is the mighty Lamb of God over at Irving Plaza, and that show, I am told, is sold out. Pretty strange to see Lamb of God playing a place the size of Irving Plaza uh, when they've played at the Garden as opener for Metallica and headlined uh, places like Roseland Ballroom continually. It's just such a big... Uh, change for a band like that, but what an intimate space to uh, get the blood boiling. Uh, on the release calendar, we have something called the Complete Albums Collection by Judas Priest. Now, that's going to have, uh, they, they call this the Complete Albums Collection, but there is nothing with Ripper uh, represented in this collection. It's a box set. It's going to be, I guess this will be about $100, but it's going to have all of the albums with what they consider the the signature lineup of, uh, of K.K. Glenn, uh, Ian, and, and Rob. So um, all of them, guys. Wednesday evening down at the studio under Webster Hall is the band Psycho Stick, which is kind of like a punkish, hardcore thing. Uh, they're pretty interesting and a lot of fun, so if you have uh, an interest, you could check that out. Thursday evening is a special one. There's a uh, special performance by Handsome Dick Manitoba, and he's going to be playing at the Bowery Electric with two guys from the original Dictators band, and the mighty Ross the Boss is going to be playing guitar. That should be a really interesting one. Now, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned some stuff was going on over at the Iridium Jazz Club, and that begins on Friday with Steve Stevens' band doing two separate shows on Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday night. Um you would need a ticket for each show, and each of these particular gigs features Sebastian Bach on vocals. So that is going to be a blast if you're heading out to that stuff. And, of course, Saturday closes up my week's report with Megadeth and their Gigantor over at the theater 
in Madison Square Garden. That now that's the theater below uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, I don't know if you remember when Heaven and Hell played there last time. People thought Heaven and Hell were headlining up at the Garden part, and were getting confused and walking around. And Britney Spears was actually up uh, up there, and uh, I'm pretty sure the metalheads scared uh, the Britney fans a little bit. But uh, Megadeth will be doing their Gigantor, and that's going to have them with Lacuna Coil, Volbeef, and Motorhead. Sounds like a great show. I remember when uh, the theater used to be called the Cell Forum. I think it's that's Cell going Forum, yeah. way back to the 80s, and it probably had a few name changes, uh, I guess, over the years. But what is that about? You figure a couple of thousand feet arena? I, you know, I would say it's a few thousand. I'll go, I'll venture to guess maybe 4,000 tops. No, that's not a bad size. Not a bad. I, I thought they would have played a little bigger venue, uh, you know, considering Megadeth's been on a hot streak, you know, over the last few years. And Motorhead, you know, is Motorhead. I mean, you can't say. And they got a couple of young bands that are real popular. So I would have expected something a little larger, you know, maybe not the garden yeah, itself, but you a know. lot of people, a lot of people are complaining that this is not really the framework that Gigantor was given in the in the beginning. If you remember, the first tour had them with uh, Dream Theater. Symphony X, Nevermore, uh, Life of Agony, Dillinger Escape Plan, um, Anthrax played on some of those, and it was it was a long day, full bill. The second time around, they had Overkill, Into Eternity, Arch Enemy, Opeth, Lamb of God, Sick. Then it slowed down a little bit, In Flames, and and one other band, and now another band, and now this is this is the least amount of bands, and stuff that people are saying, well. This isn't really a gigantor. This is more of a Megadeth headlines with three decent bands opening up for them. So it's yeah. kind of strange, kind of strange. You know, I dropped uh, I dropped the uh, the the boots on the other day to go see a hardcore show. Uh, the guys in Madball played, and I, I went to my first hardcore show in a number of years out at the at the Gramercy. Wow, you had your Doc Martens on, huh? I had the Doc Martens on, and I was stomping <laughs> around. I looked like How a lost. It? I looked like a lost puppy in that crowd. <laughs> now you know, I, I want to ask you. You said something about Glenn Five and and uh, the interview that he did. You should. I hope we can get him on the program here and see see what happened because I didn't like one of the comments I read in that article that you were pointing out to people. He said when he told uh, when he told the guys he was leaving, said Rob Reiner said that well nobody comes to see Anvil to see you anyway. Kind of. Uh, that's kind of. It's kind yeah, of cold. Perturbing. Yeah, especially for a guy who played with you for like, you know, 15 or 16 years. It's not well, like... you know, I just I just saw them in New York City, and it wasn't even uh, to say there was 100 people there was, was saying much. So, you know, the like you said, the, the, the magic of that movie is clearly worn off. And, you know, let's look at the DVD section in, the, in any of the Best Buys or online, and there's 100 movies out now. You know, with with bands, there's an Aussie movie, there's a Saxon movie, there's a Lemmy movie, there's an 18-part metal documentary going on. They, you know, there's a ton of stuff out there now, and the, the Anvil movie just falls off to the side. It's a nice picture, but it's uh, it's time has run its course, I guess. Huh. I, I agree. You know what? I'm, I'm going to try to reach out to Glenn and have him. He seems like a pretty straightforward guy. You know, uh, and, and he didn't come off as you know disrespectful or angry. He just said it like you know as it was, and. Uh, and how he felt, and like I can imagine being a, a songwriter and not being able to write, you know, it's got to be frustrating, you know. So I can see him wanting to leave, and I guess do it now while there's still some credibility to the band's name, or at least the name is still out there and it hasn't, you know, completely gone into obscurity again like it did years ago. So this is his chance, and you know, we'll see what he does. And I am going to reach out to him and uh, see if I can get him 
and I'll, I'm a that would be great. And Noah, you know, of course we love Sal Italiano, and, and what a, a great to see him in the band. But you know, uh, you know he'll uh, he'll be in the same position. Obviously, you know, it's going to be the same thing. You know, the hired gun, and uh, so let's let's give uh, you know Sal some kudos, and uh, and I wait eagerly for part two of the Anvil story. Uh, myself included. I think this did a show in New York. I think it was out in, I want to say it was probably Long Island. I think that kicked off this leg of the tour about a week ago, or, or this just, or this past week, or this week coming up. I, I'm not too sure. I don't know if you heard anything about that. I think no, I didn't hear down. anything about that yet, but uh, I'll, I'll see them again. I mean, it's a good it's a good band to see, and you know, I, I don't want to say that you never know how long they'll be around, because these guys have been around for 35 years. So, uh, you know... <laughs> It would be uh, a mistake to say that. It's true. I agree with you 100%, Mr. Kemp. Well, let me let you get back to the regular programming. So remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can find Piercing Metal on Twitter and on Facebook and now on Google+. Plus. Wow. I, am I like that. You're a, you're, you're a man of the world. You're... I am addicted to that social networking shizit, man, I tell you. Well, you know what? It's a big thing, especially for doing what we do. I mean, what would we do if it wasn't here? How would we get the word out about our shows and our websites and all the things you do? Really, how would you get it out without? We used to do it by telling our friends on the phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true, the old-fashioned way, sending out letters and uh, We used to also and... do something. I don't know. The kids don't do this anymore. We used to do something called hanging out yeah. <laughs> outside of a concert. You're a hundred. You know, I was just. But I, I played Jack Pans a little while ago, a couple of songs back, and I was going to talk about something. And I forgot. I got. I got involved with song. I was just saying that when I was a kid back in, you know, in the in the late seventies, early eighties, I, I lived in Brooklyn almost my whole life. Like I'm married, and we used to hang out at Caesar's Bay Bazaar on Bay oh, Bay, the flea market over there. Yeah, it was the place where we hung out. We used to walk around with our radio, blasted heavy metal. And there was a, a booth in there, and a guy. It, it was a flea market. People don't know what it is uh, from the New York area. And the metal booth, booth right? Uh, what happened? Was it the metal booth? I don't know. He he sold buttons. The guy. He sold all kinds of like. Back then, it was most AOR bands. You know, it was real heavy. He didn't really have heavy metal. I think the hardest thing he was selling was Cheap Trick, and you get a button for like fifty cents. But I used to tell him, you have like you know Jag Pants, and you have Russell. He's like, what the hell is that? I mean, he never heard of them, and those bands were just starting at the time, too. Nobody knew who Metallica was, Merciful Fate, Venom. It was the early 80s, was like 81, and he goes, oh, if you bring me a picture, I can make you a button. So I used to bring him my album covers, mm-hmm. and like a week later, because you know, it wasn't like with the internet, <laughs> you have to send it out, <laughs> he would have Venom buttons and Merciful Fate buttons and buttons of any band that I could bring him an album to. So I used to love it because I was walking around with all these buttons of bands that nobody ever heard of, nobody could buy anywhere else. I felt like, you know, I, I felt like a rock star because I had all these great buttons. You know, wearing buttons back then and patches was a big thing for us, you know. That's right. And I remember I bought my Merciful Fate uh, EP and, and the Jack Panzer that I just played, uh, which was a picture disc. And he went out of business the week before I got it back, and I never got my albums back. Oh, I no. So, I, I had the albums, not the covers, and I was so pissed off. I, I'm going to have to go to Blink of Bombs and uh, kind of do a five-finger discount to get covers back again oh. because Blink of Bombs used to have the album covers on the rack, but not the albums in there. Do you remember that? I, I only used to go into Bleaker Bob sparingly. I wasn't really crazy about the store. Yeah, we went there because I was in a hardcore band when I was younger. I mean, so they used to sell our demo tapes in there, so we were always shopping in there. And they would put the album covers out on the racks, but not the albums. If you wanted to buy it, it was a way to prevent you from stealing, you know, albums. So you'd have to bring them the cover, and they would put the album inside the thing, and you would buy it. And unfortunately, lucky for me, I only needed the covers. I didn't need the albums. So, Blinker Bob's, I owe you about a dollar ninety-five worth of album covers, but I apologize. 
Yeah, if they're listening now, you're in trouble. <laughs> I am. I do hard time for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, then, Mike, I will talk to you next week. You got it, Mr. Ken Pierce of PierceMail.com. Check Kenny out all over the Internet, especially on Facebook. Go and like his page, follow him on Twitter, and check out his .com site for all the latest reviews on albums, CDs, and everything else going on in the world of hard rock and heavy metal. Ken doesn't discriminate against any genre of music. You know, as long as it's rock, you'll find something about it on his website. Okay, well, Jeff Duncan should be calling in any minute right now. Uh, while we're waiting for him, how about we uh, do a little uh, DC4? Uh, I'll say something off the latest record for when he calls in. We'll go back to the last record, Explode. Here's Cabin Fever.
All right, the song ends. That's DC4 with Cabin Fever, but the interview begins. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you, Jeff? This is Mike. How's everything going? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. How's everything in that wild, exotic land of Los Angeles, California today? Uh, you know, the concrete jungle that it is, and always has been, always will be, I'm assuming. There you go. Uh, you had a great weekend, it seems like. Uh, busy with the NAMM show the whole weekend. How did that, that work out for you? Uh, NAMM is always fun. You know, we, uh, I always have a good time there. You know, the uh, I always demo at uh, Crank Amps and, you know, uh, who I'm with, and, and they're always real great, and uh, I have a good time with them, and uh, just all the people, and, and uh, you know, I always have a great time. I, it, you know, every year, it's it's just uh, a lot of fun. I see a lot of people I know, a lot of friends, and uh, had a great time. That's a good thing. Does it ever surprise you that people actually, like, know who you are, and they, they want to meet you and come up to you? Isn't that, like, amazing, like, after all these years of being in the business? Yeah, it it, 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 it still to this day just I uh, it surprises me, you know, because I'm just I do my everyday life and I forget that you know and I play music because I've always played music and I and I make records because I I you know like to record record music you know um, but uh, and I forget sometimes that it's out there and people hear it and so they know who I am and you know I just feel fortunate that. You know, there's people out there who like it enough to say hi, and, and it's uh, it's uh, it's always just uh, a real honor to to meet people who who like what I do. That, yeah, that's got to be a great feeling and a good thing. And you know, big things like DC4, been around over 15 years now. It doesn't seem you know that long ago, but uh, things have been happening. Things have been looking really good for the band. You know, last album, Electric Ministry, only came out last year. Rock Solid Record Man, another one that you guys put out that just like topped the last one. I thought Explode was a phenomenal record on top of that. So uh, it's got to be a good feeling that you're still able to, you know, produce and put music out there that's relevant today. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, first of all, thanks a lot. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you like the record. Uh, we, uh, uh, you know, DC four has been around for a while. Uh, and fortunately more recently, uh, we've kind of started to get it to where, you know, get the attention that we wanted it to get. Uh, and, you know, once uh, Roland Robertson joined the band, it, it really kind of turned out that he was the right guy for the band. And so the synergy changed and things just started to kind of move a little quicker. You know, you got the right four people or four or five people in a band, uh, you know, it becomes evident what, what really works. And it's not a slag on our former guitar player, um, but it just changed things. And fortunately, uh, I think for the better. I have to agree. I mean, on the first time you had Harlan playing guitar in the band. Roland came in later on. You know, you've been with your brothers, you know, your whole life, obviously, and you've played with them on and off throughout the years, from old until now. Do you think it's harder having, like, you know, your brothers as your bandmates, where you know, on a creative level, not personal? Uh, no, it's not. It's easier. Um, uh, I just, you know, I, I feel very blessed that I have such a great rhythm section. Uh, that happen to be my brothers and, and, uh, the best thing about it is, uh, you know, we already, uh, we already know each other and, and there isn't any personnel problems that occur because we know each other so well. And, and we, you know, we all come from the same background musically. And so there's a lot of things, you know, really, uh, the whole element of being in a band, I think is, is to create a family atmosphere because that's really what a band is, is a marriage. And uh, I don't have to worry about that because 
most of the band is my family. So it's, uh, you know, I just love it. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, you know, when you say it like that, it, make, it makes sense. You know, you think there'd be like a lot of headbutting because there's always like that sibling rivalry, but you guys seem to be beyond that, I guess, at this point in time. And you're just putting out some top-notch hard rock music with the band. Uh, Electric Ministry just sounds like it's a perfect mix. It sounds like it's a guitar plays record, yet it's still like a, a classic hard rock album. It sounds like you and Rowan just like hit a groove on this album, like coming up with guitar parts. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh... Um, you know, it, it's, I just think it's a nice uh, progression and evolution of of the band. It, it seems to kind of, <clears throat> as time goes on, it seems to keep getting harder and heavier and more guitar-oriented. Um, and, you know, it's just really, it's nothing thought out. It's just kind of what's striking us at the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's, I guess we kind of wanted to do that. I mean, it's kind of got more of a point of, like, what do we do best and let's do that because number one, we're going to do that. We're going to execute it better. And number two, it's just so much fun to, uh, you know, when you're playing the kind of music that you play best, it's just, it's just great. We just, you know, we don't really think about, Oh, let's sound like this or let's sound like that. Uh, but we, I think that, I think that electric ministry is definitely our most cohesive album today in terms of the material. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's like, DC4 have a distinctive sound. When you hear it, and if you're a fan, you know who it is. But yet each album seems to move along and progresses. The last record, you had keyboards, you had strings on there, a lot of backing vocals. You brought in some guest musicians. Is that something you see yourself doing more and more of in the future, or you just kind of like go wherever you feel like going, whatever you're writing at the time? Yeah, I mean, we'll see We'll see where, where it takes us. Uh, although I do think that DC4 has definitely kind of honed in on what, you know, on what we are and what we do best and what we like. Uh, and I think we've landed in a place where we, we have, we do have, I think our own, uh, our own sound and, uh, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep on moving forward and writing songs. And, uh, but I don't think we'll, we'll be diverting from, uh, from what it is that, that we're doing now, um, which is, you know, just, uh, you know, big, powerful, hard rock metal, you know, yeah, yeah, I definitely. And you work with Bill Matoy on. Uh, you've worked with Bill before in the past with Armored Saints. Is this the first time Bill's worked with the band as a whole? Um, yeah, it's the first album we've done with him. We did some uh, recording. Uh, I don't know. We did some tracks uh, at one point. He did do. We did record some some tracks for Explode at his studio. Um, but uh, Joey Vera was producing. Uh, but yeah, this is the first album that we've done with Bill from the ground up, uh, with him producing and I co-produced. Um, but uh, we definitely plan on working with him on the next one. And uh, you know, it just that was another element of the team that seemed to make sense too was was how we worked with Bill and and the results we got. When you work with somebody else like like Bill, who's been around a long time and has worked with a lot of bands, or anybody else that comes into the mix. Uh, is it hard taking direction from certain people, like on how they want the music to sound, compared to how you want it in your head? Well, I've encountered that in the past, but I I didn't encounter that with with Bill. I mean, he was very um, receptive to what my vision of uh, of of wanting the album, how I wanted the album to sound, and the rest of the band, of course, gave input to me, and then you know I transferred that over to to Bill. 
And that was the thing that was so great is is uh, I feel really like the first time ever I was able to really direct how I wanted uh, our album to sound. And what was in my head uh, came through the speakers in the end. And uh, it was just really, really great. Uh, uh, so I really didn't encounter that with Bill. He wanted he wanted DC4 to make a DC4 record, not a Bill Matoya record. And uh, he put his stamp on it and his expertise and, and – he just did a damn damn great job, uh, so much so that we really can't see making records with anybody else at this point. Wow, that's it. Really was, you know, you could feel how how you were working together by hearing the music. It's just such a solid, cohesive record, like you were saying. I think that's fantastic. And, and being out in L.A., I mean, I remember the club scenes, you know, like here in New York and in L.A. back in the '80s, how hot it was. Everything was going on. I know things aren't the same today, but is, is there enough of a, a scene over there still to maintain bands, you know, to play live or? You encounter a lot of the crap that goes on here, where they want you to pay to play, and you got to sell tickets, and is all that nonsense still going on out there in the clubs also these days? Well, yeah, it still it still goes on. Unfortunately, we don't do it. We we refuse to do that. Uh, I can't really, you know, for me personally, I, I've been doing this so long that I don't really, you know, cause especially now because we're getting a little bit of a following out here in L.A. And if we're bringing in people, uh then we want to, uh, you know, work out a deal that's fair, as in we get paid for showing up because they're going to make money. So we don't, uh, we, we don't do the pay-to-play thing. I would rather not do a gig and play somewhere else than, than have to do the promoter's job. I just don't believe in it, and I never have. And, uh, you know, a promoter promotes a show. Uh, the promoters out here are, are bean collectors. They're not promoters for the most part. And uh, uh, we choose to work with promoters and people who want to be fair. And it is it is possible to get around that, but you got to work hard and and put in the time and 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 have uh, quality output. And and so people come and see you. And if you get if you're getting people come to see you, then you can override that. But you know if you want to just go and play a club to get on stage, you're going to have to play that game. So I think with bands. It really comes down to how hard are you working and what what's the quality of, of output that you have that you're going to bring people. And I think that should be the priority for any band, you know, is, is having quality quality material and quality output because that's how you're going to appeal to people is if, you're, if what you're doing is good. So that's really what kind of counts. I have to agree on that 100%. I mean, here in New York – uh, it's per, it's pretty much you know where you got to pay to play, and the problem is that you'll get that one band you want to go see, but you're getting a whole bunch of crappy other bands who either can't play, write music, or only on there because they were able to get enough people to buy the tickets from them to see the show. And it's not like you know in the old days where you went to you went to a club, you went out for the night, you were there the whole night to see all the bands, and you knew you were going to get a good show. You were going to get four or five good bands on a bill, or two or three good bands. You don't get that anymore today, and I think that's a shame because. I understand as a club owner, all they care about is putting the dollar in their pocket. They're not worried about anything else. But I feel like, you know, put better shows on with bands that are playing the same genre of music on the bill together and pay the bands because nobody should work for free. I mean, it's still a job in the end, a job you love, but you should get paid for what you do. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, you know, it's, uh, bands have a responsibility to themselves to, to uh, pay more attention to what it is that they're, that they're doing on stage and what they're releasing and make sure that it's, that it's 
that it's quality. You know, spend as much time in the rehearsal studio as you need to before you gig so you have something that kicks ass. And uh, if you have that and there's no question about it, then it kind of becomes that you don't have to play that game. And uh, we figured that out after after enough time. We figured that out, you know, because if you're bringing in the people, you're the one holding the ball. So um, there is a way around it, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, you're right. I think sometimes some of these younger bands or the new bands to the scene are their own worst enemy by just going along with that, you know, making it acceptable because it'll become practice all the time and we kind of got to go back to the old way of doing things again and it's hard today because like you know with the internet and the people downloading albums bands are losing sort of that that end of the income spectrum so you know you can't also lose it from the live end though you know how a band's going to continue where are the next big bands coming from you know when priest and sound all these bands are gone for good who are the next bands that are going to like move up the headline and take over those spots i, I you know it's uh something has to be done before then yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's starting to alter a little bit. Um, uh, clubs like, uh, 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 you know, like the whiskey. We work with a guy named Jake, uh, who books the whiskey, and uh, he's just great. And he's worked with us. You know, he's been really cool. So it's loosening up a little bit, and there are people uh, starting to show up who are uh, wanting to do things a little bit differently. And uh, you know, but only for bands that are that are proving themselves. Uh, so again, you know, a band has a responsibility to to work their ass off and 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 you know, be offer something that people are going to come to see. And you know, I come from the school of you know really wanting the band to sound as good as possible and rehearsing and and working out the songs. So I think uh, as long as more bands do that, <clears throat> that will loosen up a little bit because the you know the quality will, will override uh, the quantity the promoters want. You know, if you're, it's all about bringing in people. You know, they had people start selling tickets because nobody was going to shows. Yeah. So it's, it's a guarantee that they're going to have the money for the, the rental of the night. But if you're bringing in people, that solves that problem. So, you know, all those bands out there, just work hard. Work hard in your music and your stage performance and, and what you're presenting, and people will come back. That that's exactly right, and I I see today that people are trying to get more inventive promoters and other people putting on shows. And for some reason, the festivals really haven't like taken here in America. We've had a few of them, but some of them are already gone, and it it doesn't seem to happen like it does over in Europe. I understand there's a different you know mentality with the fans over there, but you guys are going uh, onto the cruise scene next, the Monsters of Rock cruise, and it seems like that's something that's happening more and more where promoters are putting on shows on cruise ships. You have the seventy thousand tons of metal. The Monsters of Rock, which you guys are going to be playing. So it seems like there's, like, new venues opening up, especially for people like myself who are a little older. And, you know, wouldn't mind going on a week's cruise that could afford it and getting to see a ton of great bands. Yeah, well, yeah, Odin is doing that as well. Uh, you know, my former band, uh, we're doing a bit of a reunion on that cruise too. But DC4 got on that as well. Um, and we are really, we haven't, DC4 hasn't necessarily toured, so, we are basically a local LA band, so why are we on that bill? Well, it's because of how the band has presented itself, and you know it's it's really important. You know, we're the only local band that is on that cruise. You know, uh, I think the pedigree and and where everybody in the band comes from helps, but if we didn't have the material and we didn't have the presentation we have, it it, we, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter who what bands we 
come from. True. You know, and uh, you know, I'm not saying that to like toot our own horn or say that we're so great, but putting in the work, <clears throat> you know, you get out what you put in. Period on anything. No, you're right about that. And you was like you were just saying, Odin's on there. You're going to be with DC Four. You're in a good position, Jeff. Where at least you know you got DC Four as, as your main priority, not your your, your main band. But you got Odin who gets back together, do shows here and there, and you have all the same to go out on tour, you know, or do shows. So you guys here not long ago in New York, you were here before the holidays. You get to go over to Europe to the festival, so it's got to be a good thing that you're able to jump around between your three different bands, you know, and and, and still keep DC Four as your main priority. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, it's great to be, it's great to be a musician, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, it can be a, a hard life, but then, you know, when when things pan out, <clears throat> when things pan out like that, um, you know, it, it, it becomes worth it. You know, when you get results and you're playing all the time, and you get to play with different things and and just play music that you like. It's just such a blessing, and I just feel very fortunate. Yeah, how do you like in today's you know, and what we have today in this internet age, you have all the social mediums like you know MySpace and, and Facebook and and Reverb Nation. Do you think it's a lot easier today? I mean, it is easy today because it's just a click of a button to get the band's name out there compared to the 80s when you had to make a demo tape and everybody had to mail it out to each other and there weren't that many magazines that featured all kind of music back then. I mean, it is easier today, but do you think it's in a way it's harder because there's such a gluttony of stuff on the Internet to go through to find you know, a band um, on there? Yeah, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I mean, a lot of the promotion that DC4 has done has been thanks to the Internet. You know, a lot of the, you know, uh, we've utilized it uh, definitely to our benefit. You know, there's downsides to it, like, uh, you know, your music can get stolen and all that sort of thing. And, and that's something I hope will change, you know, and one day. But, you know, in that respect, the Internet is st- still new as far as that goes, you know. So we'll see what happens with that. But, um, uh you know, as far as all the bands that are on there and all the music that's on there, you know, the, the cream rises to the top. It, you know, it's the same as it ever was. You know, there used to be a lot of bands that were signed on labels, too, and, and the ones that got the attention were the ones that were the good bands. And uh, uh, there's not any more bands than there ever was. It's just everybody's on the Internet now. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, the cream rises to the top, but you got to stay out there. you got to stay visible. you got to work hard. And that's just the bottom line. It doesn't matter what you do. It could be rock and roll or a business or anything. Whatever anybody's doing, if you don't work hard, you don't get you don't get the results. You're 100% right when it comes to that. It's a different era right now, and it seems like, you know, bands haven't caught up with it yet. And like you said, with the Internet and downloading the albums, I think it's horrendous because, you know, you, you work hard to put out a product, you should get paid for it. I always say that. And there's, to me, there's nothing like having that album you know, the CD in your hand. We you look at pictures, you know, read the lyrics, find things out about the band. You don't get that from downloading stuff on the Internet. And and it's a shame, but a lot of the kids, they think that that's the way it's supposed to be. Like, everything's supposed to be given to them and handed to them for free. And they forget when it's, what it's like when I was a kid, you go out to buy a record. You saved up your allowance to get $10 to go to the store and buy a record or two, which was like $5 back then. It was a big thing to buy that record and play from start to finish. And it seems like we live in a, in a different era today. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was younger, you know, we would, you know, a friend would have an album, and then you'd have a ma- him make you a tape of that album, so you didn't have to go buy the album. Yeah. Well, with the internet, what's happened is it's that times times two billion, <laughs> you know, so it really yeah. does have a big, big effect. Um, so you know, it's kind of always happened. It's just on this the scale that it's on now is 
is just, you know, really has effects. And, um, um, but the, uh, you know, so you just have to work that much harder. I mean, and, you know, rock and roll has never been, uh, uh, you know, if, if you, if you're thin skinned or, or timid or any of that stuff, just get out now because it's, 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 it's a tough game and it's, it's, uh, you got to really, really bust your ass, you know, in, in, in rock and roll. That's just the way it is. But if you love it enough and you have enough passion for it and that's who you are and that's what you do, uh, it's a labor of love and it, and it never gets, it never gets old. It never gets old. And, and, uh, uh, it's just, you know, it's who you are and what you do. Just, you just got to work hard. If you got to work harder, you work harder. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, you're talking about being thick-skinned. Is that something that you, you come into it with or that you just learn to become as time goes by? Because you're always going to get bad reviews, people saying things that are negative about you. Is, it, is this thing more in the beginning than it does like now, like 20 years later? Uh, no, I think that – I don't think I ever really cared about that, to be honest. You know, I always wanted to be a musician. Uh, I always loved playing music, and uh, I've always had a passion and a drive for it, and uh, nothing ever really um, affected me like that. You know, I never really let anything affect me to the point of, like, wanting to stop or for it bringing me down or me believing that I was terrible or something like that. You know, it's just something I love to do. And, you know, even if, you know, I mean, I kind of believe if, if you're good at music or if you're not that good at it or whatever the whatever it is, if you love it, do it. You know, if it's music or painting pictures or, or uh, you know, making leather or whatever it is, if you love it and, and, and it's an art form that, that satisfies you, then be an artist and just love it no matter what anybody says. Because I think art is... Uh, is one of the healthiest things that, that life has to offer. You know, it's my own personal belief. It's definitely at points in my life been the only thing that I've had to keep me going, you know, because life is life. But I've always had music and, and uh, I've always had my art. And uh, so I've never really let any of that kind of stuff affect me too much. I just always push forward. That's great, man. You know, people don't realize, you know, a musician is an artist. And the way you hear a song when you're sitting in your house and and, and it just touches you, that song, you know, do you have the same feeling when you're writing it on certain songs? Because I can play a song that means something to me, and like I'm like, it's just like it takes it to another place. Do you get that way when you're writing music, also? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I uh, uh, you know, I'll know when I'm onto something that that uh, is is good, or at least good to me, um, and uh, it's always nice when you know you when I've sat in my little home studio and written a song and made a demo of it and then it ends up getting put on an album and then someone comes up to me and says, man, I love that song, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's a, that's a cool song. And I can reflect back to when I made that up and I sat in my little studio and, and wrote it. Uh, how cool it is that it took that journey to somebody else's ears, even if it's one person and it affects them. I mean, that's a really special thing that, um, you know, not a lot of people get to experience. Not everybody gets to experience anyway. Uh, you know, when you when you create a piece of art and somebody and it affects somebody, it's it's really uh, in the same way it affected you when you made it up. It's a really special thing. And and you know, to make someone smile and make somebody happy with with something you created, there's nothing like that in the world. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Was there ever a song that you worked on or you spent time working on that you thought was like the be all, the end all, like it was the greatest thing in the world? 
and then nobody else liked it or cared for it, or it just it just didn't go nowhere outside of what you put into it. Oh sure, I mean that that happens. I have a lot of music, you know. I, I write a lot of songs, and you know, I have a lot of music that that I've written, which is completely different from DC Four, more acoustic kind of music or something like that. Or I'm a big Beatles fan, so I, I have a lot of songs that are influenced by that, and you know, a lot of that stuff nobody's ever even heard. Uh, so that's yet to be seen. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's songs that have been on albums that I thought you know people would really like, but uh, didn't really didn't really hit anybody. But that doesn't change my opinion of it. That's all that matters. Now, Jeff, before I let you go, why don't you give everybody a little rundown of what's going on with all your projects and the bands. Uh, anything happening with Armored Saint coming up this year in 2012? Yeah, Armored Saint is uh, going to do some uh, dates in Europe in summer. We're going to go over there and play the Bang Your Head Festival and then do some uh, some dates around that festival through Europe. Um, so that should be a good time. And, of course, as you mentioned, you know, i got the uh, – Monsters of Rock, Bruce coming up with DC4 and Odin. Um, but as far as Armored Saints, uh, that's the only thing on the on the table right now is you're up for this summer. That's great. And like it says, uh, you're going to be playing with two bands, Odin and DC4 on the cruise. they got other shows coming up. Uh, didn't Odin just put something out that's coming out on iTunes, I heard, uh, the Metal Years? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we actually... Uh, uh, the uh, yeah, I heard about that. That the Metal Years was coming out. Uh, they were going to put out the box set of the Metal Years, which should be interesting, because uh, that was so long ago. You know, a lot of people yeah. don't realize. You know, when when I was in that movie, I was 22 years old, and uh, I actually went to the premiere of that movie as a member of Armored Saint, which was really bizarre. But uh, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be coming out. From what I heard, I don't know too much about it, but. Uh, the uh, first, uh, the DC4, um, uh, our first three records, which is our EP Mood Swings, and then uh, Volume 1 and Explode, have just been reissued through uh, Down Boys Records for the U.S. Great. and iTunes. Uh, so th- those are, are more available now than they have been. And also we're looking at uh, reissuing all the Odin records through Down Boys Records, too. And Jeff, that sounds great. You're going to be in... Have, have a great year. Sounds for 2012. An Electric Ministry, which just came out not long ago. Everybody can pick it up, and I'm going to get a song off that record. Uh, this is my favorite song on the album, so I'm going to have to uh, do that one first. And uh, anything you want to hear, I'm going to get the Ballad of Rock and Roll on. You want me to play anything else after that? Oh, it's, I would. that's my favorite track on that album, so go for me it. Me too. All right, you got it. Jeff, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Best of luck with DC4 in 2012. If the world don't come to an end in December. Well, thanks for all your support, and uh, it's been great talking to you. You got it, Jeff. Thank you. Take care.
know what happened there. It was supposed to be DC for the Ballad of Rock and Roll, but something completely different came up over there. And I'm right. I think that's Cobra, rock metal that was just played. I don't know what happened there. Uh, the switchboard just jumped from song to song on me, so I do apologize. I'm going to re-upload that right now so I have a clean copy of it so we can get on before the end of the show because it is a phenomenal song. So I should have enough time, I think, before we run out of time. We've got half hour left here. All right, I should be able to get it up by then. So uh, hey, it sounds like I'm talking to my wife here. All right, well, <laughs> why go and do that? Here's a song called Sous Les Suelles de Masculine. I can't even pronounce it. It's all in French. The band is warning.
Ah, some forbidden for you. One foot in hell. Love those guys. Had Matt Camacho on about a year or so ago. I'm really happy to see things going well for them. I'm just trying to keep the chit-chat down for the rest of the show because I have such a sore throat. <laughs> it's starting to really bother me. I'm, I'm getting that uh, DC Force song uploaded right now, so I'll probably close out tonight's show with that. But how about we do some Tyrant for you? This is the German band Tyrant, not the California one. Free for all. <laughs>
Irish Tyrant with Free For All. we got about 10 minutes left in the show. We're going to close things out in a few. Let me see what I can do for you right now. I hear King Diamond is getting active again. So I'm looking forward to seeing the King out in action. He's looking and feeling better. Let's do the portrait.
on the mic, Ash Jeff Duncan from DC for Odin and All the Saint for calling in tonight. I told you I get that song on before the end of the show. I don't know what happened over there, but don't forget to tune in this Thursday at 1 p.m. for the middle matinee. It's Doomsday, and next Sunday night at this time, my guest Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage. We're gonna have a great show. Oh, I forgot. I have somebody else next week too, Alex. Do Bane, I believe, from the Philium. I'm not too sure. i got to double-check that. But I do believe Alex is on next week with Nasty Ronnie. So don't forget to tune in. We have a great show for you. And I'll see you Thursday at 1 p.m. Thank you for listening, everyone. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.